Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room Welcome to uh, the first episode of 2020 uh, which is actually, oddly enough, the final episode uh, of 2019 because whilst I'm a little bit late with this, uh, this is actually my <gasps> annual top five films of the year. 2019. 2019, obviously. I I don't know. I've, I've barely seen two films this year. In fact, I don't think I've seen anything this year so far. We're a month into the, into the new year. But whatever. Anyway, happy new year. Uh, I hope everybody had a really nice uh, Christmas break or, you know, holiday break if you're not inclined to, you know, like Christmas and stuff. So fe- festive break, festive break, can we call that? Just holiday season. Yeah, let's let's go with what the Americans say and just like uh, secularize everything, which is, well, you know, this is England. This is meant to be a secular state, I thought, uh, but evidently not. Anyway, so, um, yeah, hi. Hi, it's good to be, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I'm your host, Rutvig, in case you, in case you didn't know that yet. Um, hello to all, what, four of our listeners now? God, Jesus, we've been going for, we've been going for like, what, at least over a year now, so I must have more than the three listeners, no? I'm pretty sure my grandmother dropped out, she doesn't, she doesn't listen to this anymore. So actually, maybe I'm still stuck on number three. Anyway, so yeah, uh, funnily enough, um, if you are new to the show, I do a top five every year, this is the second one, so, uh, uh, the only reason I do a top five is because I don't get to see that many films anymore. I see enough, but, uh, you know, when you've got a very young family, your time son kind of gets used up elsewhere. Anyway, so I'm not going to take too much of your time uh, in this episode. We're just going to try and be succinct, which is ironic because uh, I am anything but succinct. Yeah, okay, so let's go. Uh, what I'm going to do, though, this time around, rather than just talk on and on and wax lyrical about everything that I've seen and liked or moan about everything that I've seen and didn't like, uh, this year I'm going to add a couple of other bits and bobs. I think last year what I did was the top five and I uh, included some honourable mentions. This year, oh, I'm going to get a little bit more uh, spicy. I'm going to uh, include a list of what I wanted to see but didn't get a chance. And I'm also going to include a short list of stuff that I did see but uh, doesn't get an honorable mention even though I'm mentioning it. Do you know what I mean? It's not really, you know, uh, I don't know, stuff that I saw but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I liked it but, you know, not deserving of my list of honorable mentions, which. I know, I know, it doesn't make any sense, you know, I think we're two and a half years, almost three years down the line, I've still got baby brain. So uh, anyway, and then I've got a list, actually, I've got a list of stuff that uh, I either did see or didn't see, technically, no, didn't see, or haven't seen yet, and don't really care to. So this is, that'll be my don't care list. Um... And you might be surprised by a couple of the bits that are on there, actually, uh, given the kind of stuff that I'm really, really into. Uh, anyway, so let's uh, let's let's dig in, and I'm going to start with uh, my number five, which was Shazam. <gasps> yes. Oh, surprise, surprise! Genre, comic book, 
stuff again oh so typical isn't it oh my god scorsese would be rolling his eyes right now fucking oh comics disgusting they're not cinema of course they're not that's why they're in the cinema um yeah shazam i unfortunately oh don't hate me for this but i saw it on an airplane i saw it on an airplane unfortunately so obviously the uh not the most ideal conditions although i find something really nice and comforting about watching things on an airplane or an airplane to my american compadres um yeah just something really cozy and intimate uh intimate god i can't speak uh but yeah so i saw shazam i wasn't entirely convinced by some of the trailers because i felt like there was a bit of a disconnect between the uh uh the central character as a child and the central character Zachary Levi as you know as the adult as Shazam I mean Shazam by the way spoilers for absolutely freaking everything that uh that I'm going to be talking about yeah so if you I don't know um yeah I don't know continue at your own risk but you should have seen all this shit because it's kind of old anyway um so yeah Shazam I really enjoyed it I wasn't sure about Mark Strong uh as a villain again I mean he was I thought he was fine as some of you may know, I've worked quite closely with him, uh, only very, very briefly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not mates or anything, but um, you know, and he seemed really pleasant, really professional, and actually really good uh, at his uh, at his craft. Really good. I mean, that's evident in his work. But uh, there was just something about you know. I thought, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know. You know, he's just a, a sort of a typical looking antagonist with a you know whatever leather jacket weird furry collar thing and in fact he looked a bit vultury didn't he or am i just actually getting michael keaton and uh and mark strong completely uh confused here no i'm sure he had a leather jacket anyway whatever so like he uh you know i wasn't sure about that and actually he turned out to be pretty fantastic because he kind of there were moments, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Now again, I'm trying to recall, so um, you got to bear with me here. But uh, I vaguely remember him hamming it up here and there, and you know there was some, and then there were some really dark moments where I thought, "Whoa, was not expecting uh, that level of violence in this." But um, yeah, Shazam. Uh, generally, despite those two flaws, the immediate flaws that I can think of, where a bit of a disconnect, I wasn't hundred percent convinced that uh the young boy and the adult were the same person not quite like how tom hanks managed to convince us right uh in big but that aside yeah just a lot of fun really just a lot of fun and and the thing is it had heart as well uh it did have heart uh the the mother subplot thing i think perhaps could have been done a bit better i mean the fact that she just didn't want him and then just walked away and lived quite close by and somehow this kid was still you know an orphan or whatever I, that didn't quite uh make sense because you know especially with modern technology you know the, the authorities would have found her uh the authorities would have found her and said uh what the fuck why are you abandoning your child you piece of shit anyway so yeah uh wow all i've t- talked about is negative stuff no no good stuff uh, a lot of fun the adult version spoiler again uh, at the end the final battle when the adult versions of uh all the other orphan kids turn up with the shazam powers and stuff oh my god they were just so good they were just uh, uh, yeah it's there's more good than bad so do go check it out uh, at my number four is <gasps> the long shot 
Yes, now if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, this was actually advertised quite heavily. It was on the buses around London at least. And yeah, uh, the long shot uh, film with Charlize Theron, um, who I did also work briefly on set with, but had zero interaction. But I did see her. She needs to eat more. Eat more food, uh, Miss Ms. Theron, Mrs. Theron. Eat more food. Um, yeah, and... Uh, and uh, thingy, what's his face? What's his name? What the hell's his name? Oh my god! Oh my god! I and I love the guy. How have I forgotten this guy's name? See, this is what I mean. Baby brain, still, still. Uh, you know, Seth, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen. Jesus, what's wrong with me? Like one of the, one of my favorite uh, comedic uh, American comedic actors, and I could not remember his name. Yeah, yeah, he's that much of a favorite. Anyway, so the long shot, really good. Uh, I remember seeing the trailers and even then thinking, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll check this out because it seemed like a silly throwaway rom-com with um, this high school. They were they were high school or college? No, she was his babysitter. Yeah, so she is a bit older than him. She is actually Secretary of State. He's a journalist, but in the trailer, I don't remember getting the... I don't remember if they touched on the journalist, but they probably did. They probably did. I just can't remember. But... um. Basically, in the trailer, it made out like it was just a silly throwaway rom-com uh, about, you know, a guy who would never stand a chance with this amazing uh, woman, and yet they, you know, live happily ever after. Now, what the film actually turned out to be was far more intelligent. Oh, my God, was it? Like, that trailer was completely misleading, and I wonder how many people uh, they turned off, maybe, by that, at least the trailer that I saw. I don't know how many trailers there were. But, um... I, yeah, I really wonder how many people they turned off to what is actually an astounding film uh, that talks about modern politics. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of implied, but, you know, they didn't have to touch on that stuff. But actually, you know, if it had gone that weird sort of uh, throwaway rom-com route, then they wouldn't have had to have touched on uh, major elements of uh, modern-day uh, American politics. But... And, and actually kind of like 80s politics, really, because the president in this uh, film is an uh, actor who's trying to get back to TV. I remember um, having lunch with David. Oh, God, this is going to sound really bad, but uh, uh, like a bit show-offy. But um, I remember having uh, lunch with a few people, some actors. I won't necessarily name names. This was a few years ago. And I remember them talking about getting TV, that they would love to get TV. One of them was actually f over here filming a major... Uh, major film, the motion picture, and he was known for major motion pictures and wrestling. And uh, the other guys were known for film, uh, and a couple of them actually went on to do TV, uh, getting series. But like that's basically what they wanted. They were saying, you know, it'd be nice to get a basically a a uh, not not comfortable. What's the word I'm looking for? A secure job, you know, a job with a bit of security, so you know that you're going to be working for X amount of uh, weeks, months, years, whatever, you know, doing X amount of episodes. Uh, and so, funnily enough, the the president in this film, in the long shot, is uh, is a film actor who wants to basically go back to television. Now, as soon as I saw that he was a actor, just you know, it's difficult for Reagan not to jump into your head. Um, for Reagan. And the idea that actually he wants to get onto TV and their current president is a bit of a, you know, is somebody who's been on television, is known for television, well, certainly was known for television before, 
excuse me, before even, yeah, he deserves the burp. He deserves it, piece of shit. Um, before, uh, uh, before becoming president, right? So that, that you know, that was a shtick. Uh, and he's done little stupid cameos in films and hardly anything, uh, hardly an actor by any stretch. But uh, anyway, so, you know, that kind of stuff rung a bit true. But there was also all this other, yeah, just really good stuff, which I'm not going to uh, spoil. I think this film, definitely go check it out. It is not necessarily what you expect. So uh, the long shot is my number four. My number three is something that I saw recently and I did see on television. So by the way, none of this stuff have I seen in the cinema bar uh, two, actually. My number two and number one, they were cinema jobs. We managed to escape. So I've only been to the cinema uh, this year, I think three, four times, four times. Oh, Jesus, that's so lame. Once upon a time, it'd be three, four times a month. Anyway, whatever. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Um my number three is uh, a little British film called Fighting With My Family. Oh, man. So I heard about this on, I think, another film podcast somewhere. Although I'd seen the thumbs, uh, the thumbnail on, where was it? Is it Netflix? I think it was Netflix, actually. Yeah. So I'd seen it. I thought, oh, look, uh, Dwayne Johnson. I really like James- Dwayne Johnson. I think the guy's charming and entertaining. Don't care if he's what kind of weird fight clauses he has in his... Uh, contracts and you know all that rubbish I, I could not give a shit the guy is entertaining uh, and again another chap who I've been fortunate enough to be on set with and he just does seem quite pleasant even though I was observing from a bit of a distance but yeah just yeah just charming and so I saw him and that was the draw so their marketing obviously worked uh, be warned Dwayne Johnson is not a central character in this film even though he uh, takes some uh, prominence on the poster so uh, that's a bit of you know tr- tricky advertising by the marketing guys um, but it's fine because it got me in and then you realize I guess this is what they were going for you realize how good the story is it's based on a true story about a uh, a young um, a British wrestling family from the Midlands and they and and the, a success well, success story? Yeah, yeah, success story, I guess. Not that I'm that much into wrestling because actually I kind of fell out of watching wrestling. I think maybe when I turned 14, 15 perhaps. I don't know, I don't know. But I was well into WWF and then kind of just... Uh, and, and a little bit of... Uh, was, it, was it NCW or, N, or WWE? No, WWE came afterwards. NCW, right? And then the two merged to become WWE or something. I can't remember. Uh the one with Sting. Yeah, he was the only interesting character out of the other stuff that I recall. Um, that I recall. Jesus, I probably just offended so many wrestling fans. I know it's massive. Uh, you just have to excuse me. I I haven't been into wrestling since the early 90s. I'm old. What can I say? But uh, So I missed that whole Dwayne Johnson stuff. I, I kind of caught up with... I, I caught on to him through film. You're thinking, oh my God, a, a wrestler turned actor. Jesus, this is going to be the worst. And actually... He's amazing. Dave Bautista's amazing. Uh, John Cena's amazing. No, wait. Was John Cena a wrestler? Yeah, he was, right? He's not MMA. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, a really good film. Uh, again, a lot of heart, as you'd expect. Um, I tend not to really... like. Often, I tend not to enjoy British films that remind me too much of home. I'm not particularly fond of the Midlands or Northern England uh because i'm a snobbish londoner um although i wish i 
lived elsewhere. Anyway, um, you know, so when I see that stuff on on screen, I'm kind of like, oh, I just need to look out my, you know, my window or well, my front window, not not the back. The back is all rural and beautiful. Um, you know. Or like you know, just stare out of the train on my way to the day job and stuff, and and that's I kind of see that, or I just need to accidentally walk into the wrong type of pub, and uh, see these types of people. And quite frankly, I'm not that interested. I like, I like, uh, I like to not be exposed to that stuff. Anyway, because um, I just don't. Whatever. But yeah, so I wasn't quite sure how I was gonna feel, and actually. Uh, you kind of understand, you get a real good sense of, uh, you know, the plight of that part of the world, um, that part of the country. You know, the, if you look at it historically, an industry sort of collapsed that, you know, that part of uh, England just kind of went and uh, everything became so uh, centralized in London and the south of England became uh, where things were happening, where the money was, where the job where where you know um people just went and it's evident now even just you know if you're just walking through london if you're commuting or whatever you can see the number of people that have increased you know there's obviously loads of variables but uh yeah you can see it's still kind of happening now where everybody just wants to come down here there's people i work with who sort of have come from the midlands or up north or whatever and and so it's still happening but uh this is just an interesting uh sweet tale about a single family from that sort of slightly downtrodden part of the world where they actually just succeed. They succeed, succeed, succeed. They fight, they fight, they fight. And I'll tell you what really got me in this film was Vince Vaughn's performance. Now, I have been a fan of Vince Vaughn. I did meet somebody once uh, a few years ago who didn't speak kindly of him because uh, I can't remember what it was. They didn't, I mean, they weren't being totally bad, but they were sort of like, oh, he walking around with his entourage and yada, yada, yada. Uh, they, they'd worked with him or something. They'd done his makeup or some crap. I don't know. I can't remember. But, um, and I remember that, those notes sort of putting me off a little bit. I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, I really liked him. I love how quick he is, how witty he is. And he's just funny. And he can also bring that pathos and stuff to his performances. They, uh, and, you know, and maybe for some people, he'd perhaps lost his way in recent years with some of the films that he'd worked on. But I tell you what, for me, he was the standout performance in uh, Fighting With My Family. So go check that one out. Okay, moving on. Down to my number two. My number two. Now we're going to get genre heavy. My number two was Joker. Yes, I actually got to see this film in the cinema. I think this was the second film that I got to see in the cinema. Um, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I was one of those guys. Now look, just for context here, I'm 40. I just turned 43. Okay, I, I've i been reading comment, comics since the early 80s. Um, started with uh, Marvel Star Wars stuff when I was in... Uh, um, in infant school, I remember quite vividly that day. I it was raining, so we couldn't play in the playground. We were taken inside, and uh, we're in the classroom this time, as opposed to being under the shelter. Because I think it'd been raining all day, so we never went out. I used to love those days because that's when all the the toy cars would come out and the boxes of comics. And the first comic I ever picked up was a uh, Marvel Star Wars comic, the UK ones, which were slightly uh, different format. They were broader. They were more like a square format. Um, I don't know what you call that format, actually. I can't remember. I'm sure somebody told me once. Anyway, whatever. Again, whatever. i got to cut that shit out. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm one of those guys who was a comic book fan from the very beginning. And I was also one of those guys that when The Killing Joke came out, I was curious uh, as a young kid. And then as I grew older, I felt that the Joker worked better as a character without a backstory. I remember one of my friends once upon a time said, why can't a bad guy just be a bad guy? You know, you don't need to explain everything. Just let them be bad for the sake of being bad. And I agree to an extent. I do prefer character building and backstory and understanding the reasonings why somebody is that way because I don't believe that anybody is inherently just born evil, right? Born bad. So I do like those uh, stories that delve into negative characters uh, and antagonists who've basically become that and what has caused them to become that over the years. And uh, so I wasn't... I, I at the, yeah in the beginning I wasn't sure I I didn't want to know about Joker's backstory and then when I saw this whole thing about the comedian thing and then he you know he wore that weird red thing on his head and was he referred to as a red hood in that or did that come afterwards I can't remember but um you know the the idea of the stand up comedian just trying to do uh, good by his heavily pregnant wife and then did he, he fell into a vat of chemicals or something just like in the eighty nine Tim Burton flick although. Uh, excuse me. Uh, although Killing Joke came before, before the '89 Batman. Anyway, what? Yeah. Anyway, um, and then as I grew older, I was like, no, I don't know if I want to know a backstory about Joker. I like the fact that he's a bit of an enigma, um, and because it gives Batman nothing uh, when he's fighting him. All he's got is what he can see in front of him. There's nothing else, you know. So. Actually, it kind of probably just makes Batman's job a little bit easier. You can just beat the shit out of him and not feel remorse that this is someone's son. Obviously, it's somebody's son, but uh, yeah. So when this film was coming out, I was like, oh man, do we really need this uh, origin story? And the you know the the hubbub around it when where there was apparently three or four. No, well, okay, realistically, there was like two Joker films right in development by Warner Brothers. Um, I don't know why they would do that, but whenever they did. Or supposedly they did, but this one has come out, and uh, then I saw the trailer and I thought, bloody hell. Wow, okay, this looks scary. I see that the taxi driver influence is very obvious, the Kings of, King of, Kings of Comedy influence is very obvious. Um, unlike some people, I quite like De Niro's uh, character, although I wish they'd made him less douchebaggy, because uh, what happens to him, then his arc, you know, it would have made it a bit... Uh, harder to stomach perhaps whereas because the minute you give uh somebody who should be uh not rooting for but feel a little sorry for at the end uh of their arc um you know don't make them douchey right because then you might you it just desensitizes and you think ah well fuck him you know he deserved it whatever so um i don't know yeah i mean he, he was good he was fine he was yeah, he was okay. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix, oh man. So everybody thinking, uh, Ledger's Joker will never be beaten. We saw Jared Leto's Joker is a completely different take. I, for one, wasn't somebody who completely hated it. Uh, I thought he was a bit on the nose and the idea of uh, he's just um gangster. That's that Everybody knows where he is. I found a bit odd. It's like, okay, well, why don't you just go arrest him? Um 
But yeah, you know, I wasn't that offended by Jared Leto's Joker. I see what they were trying to do. And uh, I like the fact that they were doing something quite new and brave and very different. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't read that many comics anymore. I haven't done it in a while, so I don't know where the Joker is uh, in the current comics lines. I'm sure there's various uh, various lines going on. So I don't really know. Like, I think I started again with the New 52 and then I stopped. I couldn't be bothered. No, yeah, Rebirth, sorry. New 52, I read a bit of that. Thought, okay, whatever. And then uh, got into Rebirth a little bit and then thought, no, I ain't got time for this. So I, I, I have no idea where he's at in terms of the comics, but in this film, he yeah, it really, really works. Now, the criticism that's levied against this film, I understand it, and actually there are points where you feel it is somewhat justified because it perhaps does give a certain subsect of uh, society a bit of a hero and a voice and maybe because actually at the end of this I don't recall there being any comeuppance other than he's in a mental institute yeah so if you're saying that oh you can just go out be crazy and then plead insanity in court and then just be chucked into a mental institute uh that's not necessarily exactly what happens here I'm sort of filling in some blanks but in the real world what would you do you go on a killing spree say and your lawyer your your lawyer will say ah he's he's just fucking mad uh and then you go and uh my my tax money your tax money goes to try and rehabilitate these uh these people and you're like ah, no i don't know if i like that but um just in terms of performance uh and in terms of uh the cinematography uh the the sound everything oh it's just yeah it's wonderful and the story itself Again, that slope, that slide, uh, just really works. And there's some really great moments of tension, you know, just as a scene. Um, if if you're into that and just, you know, if you can just take scenes, isolate them and look at them for what they are. That scene in his, um, in his flat, in his apartment with uh, uh, the guy who gave him the gun. I forget, I forget who that was now. Anyway, the guy who gave him the gun... And uh, young Lee Lee Gill, who played uh, the, the the he's a little person in the film, who I've tried to get in touch for an interview actually, because uh, Artie knows him. I've I've met him once, once maybe twice. I can't remember. No, once uh, at a convention somewhere. And um, yeah, it would be interesting to talk to him about 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 that scene at least. But um, yeah, you know, as a as a scene, that is fantastic. The tension, the. Uh, how it's built up, how it's handled, how it's performed. Uh, it's just oh, it's just something to behold. So yeah, my number two is Joker. Uh, moving quickly on now, my number one is... Drumroll, please. Hang on, can we get Alexa to do drumroll? Alexa, drumroll! Okay. Number one is Joker. I don't know if you heard that, but... um, Hang on, Alexa, volume 10. Alexa, drumroll. Take two. My number one is Avengers Endgame. Oh, and who's rolling your eyes? Stop rolling your eyes. Stop rolling your eyes. That is clearly by far the greatest film uh, that we've seen in the last decade. No, okay. All right. I'm exaggerating. But uh, certainly for me, uh, this year, Endgame was uh, by far the best, actually. By far the best. And purely because of... The, the experience of watching it the first time. So, 
I've never, I can't really remember being so affected by something throughout uh, quite as much as I was with Endgame. Um, the the ups and downs, the, I, I think I nearly broke Artie's hand at one point. I was holding it so tight. You know, I, I, a lot of people say, oh, I cried and I did this and I did that in whatever film. You know, people said that about new Star Wars, that they cried and stuff like that. What? No, no, stop it, you're lying. Um, but in Endgame, Jesus, man, those moments. And, and the way that they built up a lot of these moments where you, you kind of feel, okay, I know Cap's going to go, right? It's That's already been kind of uh, uh, spoiled or leaked, uh, given away, not leaked, but given away by Chris Evans himself, where he's like, you know, it feels like the end of an era and all that rubbish that he tweeted or whatever it was. And so you're you're kind of anticipating certain things and and so there's there's mad mad tension, and you're you're ready to cry or you're tearing up or you're welling and you're like oh my god no this is gonna happen and then something else happens and in fact okay uh, uh, that's how you subvert expectations, okay where you set up a character that's got all this long lasting uh, this long standing history, and uh, it, you set it up to do to go one way and then you do something else but it's satisfying there's a payoff. And you don't just sit there going, oh, no, no, that is not how it should have gone. And yes, that is subjective to a degree. And uh, that is just my expectations being forced upon whatever it is that I'm watching. However, uh, um, Endgame just got it right with their characters. It just got it right. You know, um, I think Intelligent Hulk, had, I don't know if they, did they call, did they call him Intelligent Hulk? I'm sure that's what he was called in the comics. Um, and you had Joe Fixit, who was also intelligent, right? But he wore those stupid dungarees in the comic books. It's a version of the Grey... Was he Grey Hulk? Was he Green Jesus, man? My memory is completely gone. Anyway, you know, just those kinds of little things. Uh, you're just like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, that's all right. And um, But they pay off and they work. And it was just... Uh, yeah, everything in that film was fantastic. Uh it felt really well structured. I wasn't sure about how they were going to do this time travel thing. I felt like a bit of a cheap, sort of a bit of a cop out. Well, I'll just go backwards and change everything like Superman, you know, in Superman the movie. And then if you've seen the Dick Donner cut of uh, Superman 2, he just does it again, right? He just goes back and spins the world in reverse on its axis, which changes, you know, reverses time. Uh which in 1977 worked uh, for me most of my life. I was like, is that how it works? Fucking hell, that's... Science is crazy. But uh, yeah, that's ooh, not how it works. Um, so I found the pseudoscience gobbledygook in this film. Well, I was worried that it wasn't going to make sense. It was going to be stupid. And, and I, it would just make me roll my eyes and say, well, this is just a cheap trick. But uh, actually, it kind of worked. And the fact that they kind of address how crazy time travel is... Um, and then they reference it in terms of how the audience can connect with it by referencing all these real-world films, right? Uh, like Back to the Future and Hot Tub Time Machine and stuff, which is great, actually, because a lot of, in case you didn't notice, I'm sure if you're a fan of this stuff, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, Sebastian Stan, who's Winter Soldier, was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, uh, and, you know, there are a few other references they reference uh um, you know, Back to the Future and stuff. Although I don't think that there's a connect between any of the actors in this film and uh, Back to the Future, but they also sort of, uh, you know, they 
they reference uh, Big Lebowski. Tony Stark calls uh, Thor Big Fat Thor. Fat Thor, you know, let's just call him down and out Thor. It's not body shamed. That, that see, that was a bit of a risk actually. That was, no, oh, are we body shaming this guy? And then in the final act, which lasts about forty fifty minutes, you see, no, he's not body shaming because he actually just fucking suits up, still you know, out of shape, even though, he, you know, slightly obese Thor, is still in better shape than most of us. I tell you, uh, he still looked fantastic. Those arms were massive, and still oddly lean. But anyway, no, I like that fat suit. They did that. They did a really good job and touching up the seams and stuff in post and stuff. It, it looked great. Uh, but he stays like that. And he, you know, he he gives it. He does give it. Uh, he mashes Thanos up a little bit. Uh, not massively, but he does. Uh, and you just, you kind of, yeah, anyway. It's really good. Yeah, I think we got everything that we wanted. Um, and the up and down and the, just, yeah, in in those fil- in that film was just wonderful. And uh, I loved it. Okay. So I think I've uh, gone on and on a little bit too long now. So I'm going to speed this up a little bit now honorable mentions uh i'm gonna give a few honorable mentions oh shit actually i went to the cinema i think five times because i forgot about this one our son's first film in the cinema proper film uh because we did we had uh passes to go check out um harry potter world or whatever it's called whenever we wanted to because arty did that uh did a bit of work on it early 2019, which is part of opening up the uh, Gringotts Bank, right? She did the photo shoot with uh, with with some of the guys and, and Warwick and stuff. Uh, so she was part of that advertising campaign. So she could go whenever she wanted. You know, she's like, oh, send us tickets. So my sister was in town from Atlanta. We took her because she's a big Potter fan. And uh, again, spoilers for Harry Potter World if you've not been. There is a There was a bit at the beginning before you go into the main thingy. Uh, and it reminded me a bit of like the Terminator 2 ride, the battle across time in Universal. Do you remember in the early ni- early 90s? Did anybody see that? I think you can find the video on, on YouTube. Go check it out. But uh, Although it was in 3D, so the video probably doesn't make any sense. But um, you go in and then the, you sit in this little small sort of uh, auditorium. Well, I say small. The seating was kind of limited, but the screen was massive. And you watch this sort of behind-the-scenes type reel on Harry Potter. So that was technically our son's first um, uh, experience with the big screen. But his first, first proper, proper experience was Frozen 2, even though we missed the last 20 minutes because our kid just doesn't have any patience. And so, um, yeah, Frozen 2 was his first uh, uh, experience and what I saw of it, which is most of it, uh, it was really good. It was really entertaining. Really, not not quite as strong as perhaps the first, but it just felt like it was part of the same thing. You could just bolt it onto the end of the first film and just continue, and it's yeah, it worked. Um, another honorable mention: Jane, Silent and Bob reboot. Now, partly because I'm a fan, uh, so I do remember laughing and stuff. Uh, I was very drunk. Uh, I got freaking wasted. It was a very late. Uh, it wasn't a very late showing. It was like an eight p.m. showing or whatever. Uh, Ken Smith came out on stage and gave a little speech. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. I think I enjoyed it. Um, very fan servicey, right? So if you're just a random, uh, you're probably not gonna get it. And I don't know if the um, the plot itself is gonna be strong enough to hold your interest. Uh, you might sort of think, well, "What the fuck is going on?" and then leave it. But as a hardcore Kevin Smith fan. Um, 
and by hardcore that doesn't mean that I like everything that he's done I think a lot of what he's done is pap and it took me a bit of time to come around to liking uh, some of his stuff it's kind of grown on me and it's evolved and it's grown with me like I remember when the first time I saw Chasing Amy I didn't like it and my mate was like how can you not like Chasing Amy that's probably the strongest thing he's ever done and now that is my one of my quintessential 90s films that and Mallrats Mallrats I always liked actually not the uh, the director's cut which is like over two hours long which I have somewhere because that that literally just felt like an assembly like that initial edit that you do we just shove all of your um, footage together in in uh, scene order as per the script it just you know probably would have worked well as a novel but as a film not too much too many subplots and stuff going on and it was just a lot but that uh the regular sort of the, the regular cut that is available on uh, home video and streaming and stuff uh yeah brilliant uh, so jane Silent bob reboot yeah i really liked it i was very drunk i i don't recall if there was any kind of restrictions placed on recording audio, uh, I yeah, I really can't remember. But regardless, uh, I did record uh, most of the talk, his, intro his introduction, or most of it, and then his talk afterwards, which lasted about 40-odd minutes. Uh, unfortunately, the audio quality is not very good because um, it just isn't very good. Uh, and because I don't have express permission to use it i don't really know um if we were even allowed to i need to look back into it i may or may not publish it uh i don't know or i might do a little review a spoiler review of jane silent bob reboot because it's out in the u.s now to buy uh i don't know about the uk i know the u.s release came out last week and you can you can go onto his uh, comic book website, uh, Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash, and you can buy copies of the DVD and Blu-ray that he signed as well, which is really cool. Um, but, you know, you'll need a Region 1 player or you need to be able to unlock your player, and I can't seem to do that on any of my new Blu-ray uh, players. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, do that at your own risk. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the film, and so, therefore, it gets an honorable mention. Uh, it's not in my top five because it, doesn't quite come close to the other stuff that I've mentioned in my opinion um, and also because it is so unique and it's a bit sort of you know wink wink nudge nudge you know if you know it you know it if you don't you're not going to understand what the hell's going on um, more honorable mentions uh, Stuba Stuba with our old pal Dave Batista um, and uh, Kumail Nanjiani fantastic again another film unfortunately that I watched on an aeroplane um so it was modified from its you know original version i think even yeah it does say that on the screen it says modified from its original version or whatever like those tv films you know when they crop it all down to four by three back in the day uh if you're a millennial listen to this you won't have a clue what i'm talking about but uh back in the day when you didn't have widescreen tv 16 by 9 tvs you had four by three ratio tvs uh crts right cathode ray tube with big fucking thing in the back um and uh, sometime in the US, at least, I I don't remember this message coming up in the UK. But when I, whenever I was in the US and I'd be watching something that was being sh uh, shown on their, essentially their terrestrial TV or on their cable or whatever, it would say modified from the original version or whatever. Uh, so I watched that kind of version, but yeah, it was really good, really entertaining. Uh, maybe a little bit predictable, but uh, strong performances, and I liked it. It was a there's a nice, it's nice to see, you know, that sort of uh, twist on the buddy cop type genre film, not quite buddy cop, and uh, I wonder, did they nick that idea from Deadpool? Did they? You know, who you got Deadpool and the cab driver, what was his name, Suresh, or whatever the fuck his name is, 
you know, it's essentially that, like two hours of that. Uh, brilliant. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home gets only an honorable mention. Uh, not because I don't think it's good. It was good. Uh, I don't think it was quite as strong as Homecoming because Homecoming had more of that, uh, um, more, not quite John Hughes, but like I keep saying to people who just turn around and outright say they hate these new Spider-Man films, say, you got to watch it through a John Hughes filter. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they walk away from me and I never hear from them again. But, uh, no, it was good. It was fine. Um, I'm a little bit bitter because, uh, uh, I was meant to be in that scene where Tower Bridge is all falling apart, and I was this close, I was this close, and then I was, uh, you know, I was uh, dispelled, discarded, thrown away, uh, right at the last minute, just before they start shooting that, Um, so whenever I see that, I'm like, oh man, I could have been that little speck in the top right-hand corner that you can't see, completely out of focus, running around, Uh, yeah, that could have been me, Um, Captain Marvel, Jesus, Captain Marvel did come out in 2019, Uh, what was it, March, and I've really liked it. I never really read the Captain Marvel comics as a kid. I didn't really find that character that interesting. So if we, if back then for me he was a he, uh, if he was in any of the crossover stuff, you're like, ah, okay, he's there's this guy, he's there, whatever, he's doing stuff. Um, so there's Carol Danvers' version of the character I didn't know, so I could come into it kind of clean. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty wicked. I thought some of um, Brie Larson's performance could have maybe slightly been a little bit better. I think the the, the stiff arm superhero pose stuff kind of jarred me a little bit. Um, but everything else was fantastic. Everybody was good in it. The story was, yes, cut and paste template almost, kind of. Uh, but it still worked for me. Uh, it's still super enjoyable. Really interesting seeing Ronan, although as a villain, I never really felt like he was that mad of a threat. But uh, the little plot twist with the actual villain of the piece, I suppose, um, was fun. You know, if you don't know who I'm talking about, go check it out. Why am I avoiding spoilers? I already gave you a lot of spoiler warning. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel uh, makes my list. Uh, John Wick 3 also makes my list. Uh, I am not that enamored with these John Wick films. I think they've got some amazing moments. I think they look beautiful. I think Keanu Reeves is incredible. However, plot-wise, sometimes I just think, what the fuck is going on after that? That first film, you see, I think visually, I didn't find it that interesting. I thought the choreography and the fight sequences and the chases and stuff were great. Um, I thought the plot was really nice. It was just like an old-fashioned, uh, no-holds-barred revenge thriller. Uh, again, something that I haven't really seen since the 80s, that type of film, I don't think. Unless I'm missing something here. But... um and I really enjoyed it for what it was. And then the second one came out and it was kind of... I've, I've, in fact, I've completely forgotten what happens in the second one. And I'm verging on forgetting what happens in the third one other than the fact that everybody's out to kill him. He looks great. couple of things that don't make sense. You know, why would that doctor ask him to shoot him in the, you know, to make it look like, oh, John Wick forced him? How the fuck would anybody know that that shot happened at this time? Can they actually pinpoint it down to the second because I think he was only like a couple of minutes or something over, right? He was only like three minutes late after the, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, excommunicado thing. Anyway, whatever, whatever, I'm moaning, I'm moaning. Um, yeah, John, nice, nice world building and stuff. Uh, some stuff utterly implausible. You know, Jesus, that guy's got some serious stamina, man. He's like on, uh, like that shit that, uh, the adrenaline that, um, Jason Statham takes in Crank. In his Crank remakes, yeah. Anyway, uh, John Wick 3, 
it's nice to look at some really amazing uh, choreography if anything just go see it for that uh yeah dark phoenix x-men dark phoenix i did not think it was as shit as everybody made out it wasn't particularly good there is a particular um film critic i won't mention his name or the magazine he writes for or the podcast that he's on but he's always using the fucking word objectively objectively this is bad objectively this is bad that is bad objectively 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 i'm sorry for a writer i don't think he knows what the word objectively means um i don't think i don't feel at least sorry yeah i don't feel no wait i read a gq article which said that i don't feel is more a millennial thing just say i don't think whatever who gives a shit fuck you gq uh no don't no not fuck you i mean you guys are great i love you uh (laughs) The, uh, yeah, the the film wasn't that bad, and I didn't feel it was objectively bad. I don't remember seeing anything where I thought, oh, pacing issues don't make sense. You had your sort of pretty standard, uh, the performances were good, uh, I think, from what I recall. Uh, what was objectively bad about it? I don't know. The CG looked fine? No? I didn't see any fucking wires hanging off of the helicopter or of people floating around. I, I don't remember seeing any really bad uh, CG. Subjectively, you didn't like it. Okay, fine, man. You didn't like it. You didn't like it. You didn't like it. Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, I thought the pacing was uh, uh, considerably better than um, the previous film, Apocalypse, which, again, I've just completely fucking forgotten. Apart from those highlights that you see in the trailers, I can't really remember anything. And the fact that uh, Apocalypse in that scene in the trailer at least where he refers to him he says that oh you will know you will know me uh from my various other forms and krishna and this and that and the entire hindu community at least in england fucking kicked off and and uh fucking hell won they got it changed that line about krishna was not in the final cut and i was really disappointed because i fucking like hate censorship there was a guy uh I, i moaned on my facebook page a little bit about imdb censoring certain um uh reviews and uh this is in relation to rise of skywalker uh, there was a negative review and when i went back a couple of days later it was gone i was like what the fuck you know and i didn't say explicitly that i'm talking about censorship here and there was some fucking troll who was like oh criticize my artwork i'm sorry look i'm kind of i am humble but i know that i'm not shit okay bro i know i'm not this is like fucking 30 odd years of training and practice i know i'm not shit so fuck you uh but he just didn't get the whole thing about censorship. It's like, oh, and your what's his comment? And your artwork is pretty shit. What's your point? I was like, uh, uh, point is, don't censor shit, you know, because uh, then we've got a problem. So anyway, uh, well, fuck, I've digressed a lot. Anyway, enough of that moaning. Uh, yeah, Dark Phoenix. I don't think it was that bad, really. I mean, I was, I was engaged the entire time. Um, there's something about these X Men films those Fox ones, just in terms of uh, the visual effects and the special effects and stuff, when you compare it to uh, what Disney has been doing, what Mar- you know Marvel Studios have been doing, it just it still feels a bit too old school. You know, the wire work and all that kind of stuff seems very like there's no real. I never really got a sense of uh, weight when you see Beast, for example, jumping around and stuff and. Uh, I don't know, so there's always been something that jars me about these films, but not so much that uh, I would say this is objectively bad. Um, It wasn't great. It was fine. You know, whatever. A little bit sort of like all the heroes are kind of useless and they need um, 
Phoenix to come and save them at the end. I thought, well, yeah, okay, fine. You know, maybe that's satisfying for some people. For me, the X-Men have always been about uh, inclusivity and teamwork and, uh, you know, family. And this, I don't know, kind of missed the mark a little bit there. But yeah, anyway, Dark Phoenix is there on my list of honorable mentions. Uh, just because I think it's, you know, not as bad as everybody says it is. Um, and my last honorable mention is going to be Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Jesus. Uh, I am a massive Star Wars fan. Everybody fucking says that. But uh, unfortunately, I am to the point where I piss people off. You know, like people around me are like, please fucking stop relating everything in your life and the world around us to Star Wars. I'm like, it can be done. It is so. Um, and yet Rise of Skywalker, shit, man. Like no, no matter what... Uh, Abrams did and Ter- Ontario I suppose although I'm not a fan of Terrio's work necessarily I need to read some of his raw scripts that haven't been touched you know just the script itself and maybe you know maybe I'll change my mind but um yeah no matter what these guys did and this is all bias aside yeah there was no way that they were gonna I think satisfactorily end this story partly because uh, it kind of ended in 1983 yeah with the uh, return of the jedi um by retelling essentially the original trilogy uh that, that was the first sort of mistake i think and at least last jedi for all of its faults objective faults yeah there is a lot of wrong in that film i'm not talking about um whether you liked how they handled luke's character and all that kind of stuff, or whether you thought the hold-on maneuver was good or not, although it doesn't make sense and it's discarded. Well, anyway, whatever. Um, you know, for for whatever uh, faults in that film, at least it did. I, I won't say that it did anything massively new, uh, because uh, it didn't, man. It didn't. Everybody keeps saying, "Oh yeah, that film is so." It took risks and it did this and did that. No, it didn't. It basically took the uh, opening act split it in half put the first part of the opening act at the beginning put the second part of the opening act of empire strikes back at the end and then chucked in um the third act of return of the jedi into the middle essentially that's essentially what's happened yeah and, and then you know added this uh that Battlestar galactica uh, slow chase through space subplot but uh so i don't think it was as daring as uh everybody or some people tried to make it out to be, you know, it, it really wasn't, it was still pretty safe, it was a pretty safe film in my opinion, um, but it still, it set a few things up, granted it discarded a lot of the stuff that was set up maybe in the, in the Force Awakens or took it in a direction that we didn't think it would go, but, you know, I've kind of somewhat made my peace with some of those story elements, and really Rise of Skywalker probably would have done good to at least build a bit on that i know the filmmakers say no 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 we're not undoing anything that came before but you absolutely have okay that's fucking painfully clear um painfully clear but uh having said that uh i know a lot of love and care went into making the film um it looks stunning again you know once upon a time that was the only uh one of the only compliments i was giving last year i was oh well at least it looks good you know um which it does. Uh, the visual effects are beautiful. Performances, I thought, were quite good this time round. You know, there were some iffy moments in Last Jedi. Oh, iffy moments. <laughs> John Boyega said that about Last Jedi. Oh, you should not speak ill of your own work, I suppose. Or maybe you can. I know you don't give a shit. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, there were there were there were a couple of iffy performances, in my opinion, uh, in 
the previous film in this one oh most of it's really good yeah it's really good there were there were a lot of characters that didn't need to be there um uh, there were a lot of characters that were sidelined that or a couple of characters that were sidelined that didn't need to be sidelined they could have played you know, you know these some of these new characters i've heard this criticism some of the new characters could have been played by the other characters but look let's face it this is uh, the real world we live in a capitalist society that's not going to happen yeah if you can uh, shove a couple of new designs in there a couple of new characters so you can make a little bit more money um through things like i don't know whatever trading cards comics books uh everybody keeps saying toys i haven't seen that much rise of skywalker merchandise to be honest but uh, maybe we will see that stuff later, um, maybe. But, the, you know, it's there. The possibility is there. So that, that's the world we live in, okay? So just fucking get over it. Uh, we've got new characters so that we can have new characters. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, it was fine. Uh, it was, you know, the visuals, uh, you know, Palpatine in this looks brilliant. Uh, Ian McDermott is great again, even though he is kind of doing a bit of a greatest hits of Palpatine taking lines lifted straight from Revenge of the Sith and, you know, Return of the Jedi and whatever. Um, uh, as a choice, whether you agree with that or not, now nah, I don't know. It's whatever. It, it is uh, out there now. It exists. And we kind of just have to accept it for what it is and just try and, as, uh, you know, Eric Idle uh, once said, uh, always look on the bright side of life. Uh, by the way, rest in peace, Terry Jones, who we just lost. Uh, Monty Python. Slight segue there. Sorry. We'll come back to uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, it was entertaining. You know, it's fine. A lot of it doesn't make sense. Uh, the ending is... I don't care what anybody tells me. I know the two films were probably uh, in development at the same time. But... Uh, and, you know, the ending of Rise of Skywalker, no way could that have been rejigged and then reshot and remade uh, in the... Well, maybe it could have, actually, in the time since Endgame came out because it's essentially the same fucking ending. You know, instead of uh, Thanos saying, I'm inevitable, uh, Palpatine says, I'm all the Sith. And, you know, instead of Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark saying, and I am Iron Man, uh, and snapping his fingers. And Ray says, I, and I am all the Jedi. And, you know, disintegrates uh, Palpatine, which, again, look, looked cool. I think, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on it. But, uh, yeah, Rise of Skywalker, not as Again, not as bad as the what was it the fandom menace make out make it out to be. There's a lot of stuff I don't agree with, um, but that's fine. You know, I I can just you can, ch- I you anybody we can just choose to not watch it. If you only like episodes one to six, just watch those. Forget the rest. Just block it out of your memory. If you only like episodes four to six. Just watch those. Block the rest out of your memory. If you only like episodes one to three, which uh, actually you'd be surprised, there are a couple of people out there. I've met one of them at least who thought that the OT was okay because actually her Star Wars was one to three. Just as for a lot of us older people, uh, our Star Star Wars is four to six. And in the same way, seven to nine will be the definitive Star Wars for another generation. So that is just... That is just fact, man. Just get over it, you know. Uh, but yeah, Rise of Skywalker looks good. Sounded good. Um, acted pretty well throughout, I thought. Um, pacing issues, of course, too much. You know, I would like to... Yeah, I'd like to see this uh, supposed J.J. Abrams cut, which is about 20 minutes longer. I don't know if it would have necessarily helped it that much, but 20 minutes is a long time, okay? 20 minutes is a long time. So you can shovel a lot of stuff in there in 20 minutes so I'd be interested to see that version 
Anyway, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, done with uh, honorable mentions now. I think uh, let's quickly move on to uh, stuff that I want to see. Stuff that I wanted to see that I didn't get to see. They're on my list, so I'll probably see them this year at some point. Um, first on that list, not that these are in any kind of order, uh, The Art of Self-Defense. Um, with... Uh, with... Uh, what's his face? Lex Luthor. Uh, the new... Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, new Lex Luthor. Uh, old Lex Luthor. Uh, Lex, Luthor? Lex Luthor. Anyway, um, yeah, Art of Self-Defense. I think it's, it's either on, again, Netflix or Prime, uh, Amazon. Uh, that looks really interesting. Nice little small film. I like those little indie things. Um, I wanted to see Last Christmas, oddly enough. Uh, even though those kinds of films... See, I, I love to hate them. And yet I secretly love them. So uh, Last Christmas, I didn't see it. And George Michael, you know, if... Yeah, I was fortunate enough to see George Michael's last ever performance, and uh, oh man, what a what a talent! Anyway, so anything that plays on any kind of homage to him, uh, I'm down for. Uh, okay, uh, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson. Yes, no, I didn't like the Last Jedi, but guess what? That doesn't mean I fucking hate Ryan Johnson. Uh, Knives Out. Oh man, that just looks fantastic. I love everything. About about that film that I've seen so far. Performances look great. The set design, the costumes, and just that poster, you know, with the, the font, the yellow text, and oh, it just looks great. I can't wait. This feels, this genuinely feels like um, the film that uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, that I've been wanting, sorry, that I've been wanting ever since I saw Clue. Uh, with Tim uh, Tim Curry back in the 80s. I almost said Tim Robbins. No, he, well, he would have been calling that too. Um, I think there's a couple of other films actually that I missed out, uh, that I did see that actually technically should be in my honorable mentions. Let me just jump back. You know, just on that Knives Out thing, I saw Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Fucking great. I love that film. It was, you know, okay, not not masterful cinema, but it was so entertaining. It was brilliant. And it was, you know, go back to that, yeah, that, Basically, Agatha Christie, uh, Hercule uh, Poirot-style storytelling, um, clue stuff, Knives Out, I want to see, Murder Mystery, I did see, really liked it. Um, I saw Christmas Chronicles, even though that's from 2018. Uh, I saw it this year. Okay, it shouldn't be on my list, but fucking hell, man. Kurt Russell, brilliant. And there's a second film coming, so check that out as well uh, when it does arrive. And if you haven't seen Christmas Chronicles, well, you're going to have to wait now until, you know, uh, this Christmas, unless you don't believe in that rule that I that I have and share with some people, where you can't watch or listen to Christmas stuff when it's not Christmas, so uh, I shouldn't even be talking about it. I shouldn't even be talking about it. No, nope, scrub that. I shouldn't be talking about it. Uh, and I also saw Isn't It Romantic um, with uh, Rebel Wilson. Uh, I think that was quite good. I can't remember. That was a while ago. Um, that was 2019. I did like it, I think. Yeah, it was sweet. It was like this weird sort of... Um, play on the whole rom-com thing. Uh, and it worked for me. It worked. Anyway, okay, so going back to the stuff that I want to see, uh, that I didn't see. I want to see Jumanji 2. Uh, the Jumanji remake was uh, brilliant. I don't care about its faults. It was just so entertaining. Uh, and so, therefore, I want to see Jumanji 2. I love anything that's body swap. Uh, oddly enough, except for Freaky Friday. I could never get into that. You know, and that was one of the originals. Anyway, um... I want to see 1917 when I learned that this whole thing is done like Birdman as a single track. I was like, oh, fuck, I need to see this. And then um, one of my work colleagues from the day job uh, told me recently that they feel that that's probably in their top five favorite films, the top ten favorite films ever. So I was like, fuck, okay, got to see that. Um, 
I want to see Little Women, yeah, because I'm not familiar with the story, but I just want to see it apparently just purely because, um, uh, is it Greta? Oh God, uh, uh, you know what's her name? What is her name? Yeah, Greta Gerwig from Frances Ha and all that stuff. Um, I'm a fan of hers, and apparently this take is a uh, a little different. So uh, on that note, I just want to see. Yeah, I want to see it on for that. Um, I want to see Uncut Gems because actually I'm on an Adam Sandler high, and Uncut Gems is getting some uh, interesting positive uh, feedback. So I want to check that out. Uh, I want to see Booksmart. That's I think Olivia Wilde's first foray into directing. Um, I want to see Marriage Story. Adam Driver. I'll watch him pretty much in anything. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. That's coming out soon in this country. So it came out. See, okay. So Jojo Rabbit's an odd one because um, again, we've we this weird delay in release between the U the, between the US and the UK still does exist. And so Jojo, I'm including Jojo Rabbit on this list only because in the US it came out last year. Now we get it, I think we get it this year. We get In the UK we get it in 2020, uh, but I don't know when. Um, I don't know when. Is it out already? It might be out already. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe next month or March. Maybe it's in the February slot, actually. I don't know. But uh, anyway, you know, it's Taika Waititi. Uh, so it's Taika Waititi. I we need to see it. Everybody needs to see it. Um, I want to see Zombieland Double Tap. I haven't seen the sequel yet. Oh God! And um, I don't even think it's out here yet. Is it? At least not on streaming. Because uh, I missed it in the cinema. Uh, adored the first film. Uh, and really intrigued by the second one. I was following the development of it a little bit. Uh, because it was you know, I think it was stuck in development limbo for a little while. Um. So, yeah, really intrigued to see what they did with that. Uh, really want to see the kid who would be king. Oh, now, this is a, another British film. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, it's by uh, the same director as a, uh, Attack the Block, uh, Joe, Joe Cornish. So, um, again, no bias, only you know because of Artie's link with these guys. But uh, this film just looks fantastic it's sort of a modern day take on the king arthur legend so uh i want to check that out um but not not you know not not as simple as that obviously it's it doesn't sound uh to be as simplistic as just like it's you know it's not like uh say uh the uh what's his face is romeo and juliet um with leonardo DiCaprio. uh who directed that oh fuck you know what's his face baz lerman yeah i think it was baz lerman um you know, it's not like that, yeah, where it's just a modern setting, but the same story. It's, why, or is it? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. It's on my list. Um, and another film that's on my list to see, that I really want to see, that I want to see ages ago, is Brightburn. Um, James Gunn, uh, actually, well, say James Gunn, because he's the name that you can go to, but it was actually his cousin who did it, uh, who directed it. Did he write as well? But it's basically, anyway, an alt take on the Superman mythos. So this is something that's kind of common, right? Uh, if you're a comic book fan, we've always sort of, uh, even though DC didn't do what if, they did uh, They did what would later become Elseworlds, so it's like an alternate take. So like, for example, the Joker would be considered an Elseworlds story. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight might have been the first one of these, but it wasn't called Elseworlds when it came out. I've got that first print. There was no mention of this Elseworlds thing I think when they when DC decided to go off and do write more of these sort of uh, alternate reality 
uh, alternate universe uh, stories, uh, they decide to put it under this new banner that they created elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, what if Superman was bad? So it's basically Superman as a horror film, which brilliant and it's uh, the seems like the entire gun family made it so uh yeah i'm interested um okay so that's my list of stuff that i want to see and didn't get to see which is really sad oh no sorry there's a couple a couple of others uh wait 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 before i forget toy story 4 um i, I did want to see that even though i tend to forget pretty much what happens in any of these toy story films i'm not that mad of a fan but i do really like them uh, whilst I'm watching them, if that makes sense. So t- Toy Story 4 is on my list. And also the um, Eddie Murphy remake of Dolomite is my name. Uh, not that I really remember the original. I've seen odds and sods. Uh, I know Black Dynamite better than I know Dolomite is my name. And I know Black Dynamite is actually just a parody of all that sort of Black Station stuff. Um, you know, Shaft and, and Dolomite and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Black Dynamite, you need to go fucking check that film out. Uh it's got a uh, what's his face? Oh my god, my memory! Jesus, the martial artist, you know, and he was from that film Bones or Broken Bones or whatever it's called. Oh my god! Ah, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Come on, somebody help me here! Help me out! Help me out! Um, MJ, Michael J, Michael J White, Michael J White. Yes, okay. Anyway, uh, right, Dolomite is my name. If you haven't seen Black Dynamite, go see it. Uh, and I want to see Eddie Murphy's Dolomite is my name. Uh, and actually, I want to see the original Dolomite is my name as well. Uh, properly. So I can remember it. Okay, and we're almost done here. Jesus. And I've st- Oh, fuck. How have I managed to make this last over an hour again? Again. Jesus. Okay. Um, and stuff that uh, came out that I just don't care about. Or want to see. Uh, I was just like, oh, fuck, no, I'm all right. Um, Gemini Man. Again, this is no order, yeah? This is not in any kind of uh, order. Um, Gemini Man. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. It's, you know, young Will Smith chasing old Will Smith, even though uh, old Will Smith just still looks like young Will Smith. So what was the point of all that stuff, you know? Uh, all the de-aging. I don't know. It didn't... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, maybe I do want to see it. I do like Will Smith. I do think that guy is a fantastic, fantastic uh, talent. And I really want to see Bad Boys for Life. Uh, yeah, anyway, Gemini Man came out and it went. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, oddly enough, Ad Astra. Uh, again, I'm a Pitt fan. And yet, could didn't really give a shit. Um, Downton Abbey film, no, no thanks. Cats, fucking hell. It just looked bullshit from the minute that first trailer dropped. I've never made any effort to go see the uh, musical. Uh, and as it turns out, all the reviews are... All the reviewers, you know, your your regular Joes like you and I, and these, um, you know, the experts, the professionals, the critics, everybody's saying it's fucking terrible. Even Warner Brothers, re- you know, releasing, sending a new... Uh, edit of the film was it a new edit or did they just fix up the cg because apparently in one of the scenes uh or for all of it i don't know um uh, dame judy jench's uh hands they didn't they forgot the cg on her because they didn't basically they didn't use mocap tech on this right i think they what they were relying on was the vfx guys to just literally fucking painstakingly draw over the actors without any kind of reference motion reference or anything now 
you know, sometimes that kind of thing can work if you're making that. Well, it can work when you're just modeling uh, a figure out of nothingness as they did with uh, Rocket, for example, in the second film. But even then, there was still an eyeline, right? They still used stuffy. We, you know, Artie and I visited the set. Um, we didn't know how we were going to feel because obviously she wasn't doing any of the scale movement reference for, on it anymore. Sean Gunn was there. I think he walked around. We didn't see him walking around. He was just delivering dialogue, uh, Rocket's dialogue from uh, off offset and uh, on, on, on the set, obviously, but uh, from... Uh, you know, off stage, whatever you call it, and uh, the actors were essentially uh, doing their dialogue to nothing. You'd get a the stuffy for the reference, and then he would disappear, and then they would do it to nothing, and then the the figure was modeled in three D afterwards. Uh, so it kind of worked there, but this is they're, they're trying to track this thing, right? So there was no tracking. Mocap is tracking the actors, and they didn't do any of that anyway. Don't give a shit. Um, good liar. Funnily enough. Uh, I have a small part in this film, and yet I am not inclined to go see it. Um, let's see, Charlie's Angels, the remake. Uh, I love Elizabeth Banks, uh, but no, I don't give a fuck. Um, let's see, what else was there? Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, another film that I was involved in slightly, partly, in probably, I hope at least, uh, Blink and You'll Miss Me uh, scene, but... Again, no, I you know, Fast and Furious kind of, I, I lost it after, I thought five was fine, um, I enjoyed it, six I didn't really like, and I don't even think I saw seven and eight, or, so I don't know, somewhere along the line they lost me, you know, uh, I like five, the Rio heist, I knew because it's meant to be the Brazilian job, right, so they took the, uh, you know, the Mark Wahlberg uh, Italian job remake, uh, the sequel for that was meant to be the Brazilian job, and then uh, the studio couldn't make that work, so they repurposed the script and turned it into a Fast and Furious film because Fast and Furious was doing so bloody well. Because four was great. Uh, three, okay. Two, no, I didn't like it. One is still the best. I don't give a shit. Point Break, but with uh, modified cars. At least when that film came out, I was a big petrol head into modified cars. I was modifying my own car. So yeah, that really sunk to me and the fact that I love uh, the West Coast. So uh but yeah, no, this thing, no, I'm sorry, just they're trying to, it seems like it's become something that it's not, you know, these films, they've turned, they're trying to turn it into a comic book type thing, and it's like, no, just stick to the crime stuff, no, you know, stick to the detective versus crime people, well, no, stick stick to whatever you want, man, whatever makes money, do what you want, uh, but I'm not that interested, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, fuck, no, absolutely not, because... I saw the trailers, I thought, okay, okay, what are we, and then even from the trailers, you could kind of tell, well, they're saying that they're scrubbing out the, um, the history, uh, the Terminator history from T2 onwards, right, so they keep T2, this is a direct sequel to Terminator 2, so T3 no longer exists, uh, uh, Salvation no longer exists, and Genesis no longer exists, and yet all they've done is regurgitated those same fucking ideas from those three films that they're scrubbing out, clearly, evidently, from that first trailer, you could see it. Wait, from the first trailer or one of the trailers? From the first main trailer, at least, not the teaser, maybe. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, everything I heard about the film after, and I have seen that opening sequence, uh, made no fucking sense. If you're talking about resetting timelines, uh, Genesis probably did it better, maybe. I don't know. That might be a bit controversial. I don't know. I didn't like Genesis either. I, I thought the first act was fun. Um it's really cool, the spectacle of seeing all that stuff that you love, you know, nostalgia, 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 trying to pull that TFA soft reboot thing 
uh, and apparently it hasn't worked. So uh, tell me a dark fate. Sorry, guys, not uh, not for me. I'm good. Especially, you know, fucking hell, man. Killing John Connor was a point. You're saying this is a direct sequel to one and two, and yet in the first sort of five, not even five minutes, you undo fucking one and two. Nah, fuck off. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, and that is uh, that is it. Let's see, what else is there that's coming out that I'm not that interested in? Oh, Maleficent 2. And uh, again, funnily enough, Artie had some involvement in this. She did a little bit of work on it. Um, you're not going to see her in it, but uh, she did a bit of work on it. And uh, I don't care. One of my um, friends slash colleagues has been editing the film. Um, you know, he told me a little bit about it, but... Uh, no, well, he didn't tell me. Any, not Nothing plot-wise, but... Uh, yeah, anyway, no, I don't, uh, yeah. First one was fine, you know, but uh, no, I'm not that interested. Okay, so that is my, um, that's my stuff. That is my top five of 2019 and uh, all this other shit. Anyway, come back uh, soon because I'm going to have a new episode with a, a great interview um, with ride director Adam Spinks. Now, he's an indie filmmaker. It's a really interesting, uh, really interesting chap that we had about essentially the festival circuit. So if you're kind of interested in that stuff, uh, join us for the next episode, the first episode of uh, Series 3, as I'm calling it, uh, the first official episode of 2020. So yeah, tell me what you think. Uh, do you agree with my lists? Uh, my list, my top five list? Uh, if you don't, yeah, tell me. Uh, just, you know, and tell me why, obviously. Don't just tell me that I'm an idiot and uh, leave it at that. Um, yeah, tell me what your top five uh, for 2019 was and what are you looking forward to seeing? Uh, what did you see but, you know, didn't make your top five but you thought it was fine? Uh, what did you miss out on? Yeah, you tell me. Anyway, peace. <laughs>